Well, it, just even taking it a little bit further than just, you know, in coming in the vineyard, but I, I, I grew up, my parents were missionaries in Japan. Um, my, I'm, I'm a fifth generation pastor. My father, um, my, my mother, and then uh, my, both were pastors. And then my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, um, all were all were pastors and so it was I always say it was one of those things where it would it would have been hard to run from you know with all that behind you but uh, but clearly had a choice you know in it too but um, their their background was a little bit more of kind of a Pentecostal background but then they left that um, and went independent when I was fairly early so I don't really remember being a part of any Pentecostal denomination my first kind of experience with seeing more power ministry things was coming into the charismatic renewal in the late 70s, uh, which was, you know, large events were happening like in Kansas City, Missouri, and things like that. And so um, I kind of grew up uh, in a little bit of that. There was, you know, at 12, 13 years old, I went through quite a rebellious stage and got to where I really hated church and wanted nothing to do with it. All my life I had loved church up until that, that stage and then just went through a rebellious time. I think it was a PK, as a pastor's kid type thing. And then, and it, was, it didn't last very long though because uh, the Lord really gripped me at one point. It was at a youth uh, conference and a woman gave a prophetic word. A woman preacher uh, stood up and she gave this prophetic word about this drummer in the church that Satan was really coming after. And that was me. And I knew it as soon as she said it. It was like somebody just punched me right in the stomach. Um, <clears throat> and there were thousands of people there. But she even put her hand out and, and motioned in the direction of where this person was sitting, and I was sitting right there. And that was a huge turning point for me. After that, I, I came forward, rededicated myself to the Lord, basically, and just went all in. You know, we started our own like Christian rock band. We started doing all kinds of evangelism things. We were terrible. It's the worst band on the planet, and 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 you know, had uh, no real evangelism skills. It was all you know skills from the '50s and '60s, things that our parents had done. And so, um, so it didn't fare very well. But we had you know strong effort, you know, in those times. But in those times, I saw God move, you know, in a pretty very interesting way. Kind of my, my first even experience as a you know, sort of in a, a, if you would, a power evangelism type experience was when I was nine years old. Uh, my dad had decided we were going to take in um, young teenage boys who had run away. And it was one of the things where you could either do the girls or the boys. You couldn't mix them both. And so we started taking in, our first one we took in was a 17-year-old young man who had been a prostitute in Florida was a heroin addict and I remember just seeing him be extremely sick and you know just going through DTs detoxing and um, I'll never forget on the third day it was a Saturday morning early in the morning uh, I woke up and he was in my room doing all this this is where he's staying because we didn't have a home for him to stay at our home was the only home <laughs> something I don't recommend for anybody to do but um, he had his arm on the window seal and he was looking out in the backyard of our house and I, I woke up and I saw him and I kind of jumped back because I saw some really bizarre behavior from this guy and um, 
I said, hey, are you okay? And he turned and he looked at me and his back was kind of towards me. He turned and looked at me and I could just see the whole front of his shirt was just soaked with tears and tears just streaming down his face. He looked at me and he goes, Robbie, he goes, Jesus came in the room this morning and he took it all away. He goes, my past, my shame, the addiction, all of it's gone. He said he just wiped it all out in a moment. And I jumped up and I ran to my parents' room. And I was nine years old at this time. And as soon as I walked in the door, I just burst into tears. It kind of hit me at that point once I went to their room. And they woke up. My father was a little concerned. What did this, you know, former, you know, prostitute, male prostitute, what had he done? Did he touch me? Did he mess with me in some way? And and I was like, no, I'm fine. And I told him what happened. And I just remember just breaking down and barely getting the words out. And I told him, I said, that's what I want to see the rest of my life. I want to see God do that in people's lives. It was, it was the most powerful scene of just seeing God just change this kid in a moment and just all of it go. And, um, and so I knew I wanted that. So now jumping a lot forward, I, I, I did become a youth pastor, and, um, and, but I kind of was running from some of the more extremes of some charismatic, you know, or more hyper-charismatic, um, you know, sort of light Pentecostal things, but more like that. And I became a youth pastor in a Mennonite church. And that was me trying to go someplace where it was just safe. And that's probably where the Holy Spirit, with, I think without question, impacted me the most. And uh, uh, several of these uh, the people at this Mennonite church began to go to these different conferences that were vineyard conferences. Uh, went to Toronto and uh, went to some of those conferences and came back. There's nothing uglier on the planet than drunk Mennonites. They are just bizarre, freaky people when they're just drunk. And it's, but it's amazing. There's nothing more hysterical than a bunch of drunk Mennonites. And just watching them just impacted by the Holy Spirit and just seeing God just move on them was just, you know, for me, just absolutely contagious. But, you know, I was still sort of reacting to some of my past and cautious. But the Lord really impacted me there, you know, at that church. And I mean, physically, I was altered. I mean, just... Literally from one moment to the next, people were just, it just after I, I had a visitation really where the Lord literally just came into my office and just leveled me for hours and just on the floor and just, I, I, I mean, people would try to come in my office and they couldn't physically walk through the door because just the presence of God was so strong in there. And um, I remember he told me he was going to give me a new heart. And when I went home that evening to see my wife, she just looked at me as soon as I walked up to the door, and she goes, what happened to you? And I was like, what? She goes, you look completely different. I talked to my family on the phone, and they were all like, you sound completely different. I mean, everything had changed, really. And for that, all of a sudden, evangelism just started, became more powerful. And um, I started doing a lot more outreach to the youth group in the, in the area, in the schools. And we started seeing just tons of young people come to Christ. And it seemed just so easy. And it was primarily just through, we were just saying, just let us pray for you. And then just in that, in that the presence of God would just impact them. And we would just see them just change. Um, 
you know, for some, there were parents that made them mad. They didn't like it, which blew us away because we were like, you know, your kids were getting in drugs. They were doing all this other stuff. You don't like it, you know, but, uh, but it was, it was true. And, uh, but also with the Mennonite church, it kind of became a little bit of an uneasy fit too, because we were starting to bring in a group in the, from the community that was completely different from the youth group at the church. And that began to make them uncomfortable as well. And so I began to see the handwriting on the wall. And so I really prayed and said, you know, I want to, I really would, if I'm going to be a part of anything, I want to be part of the vineyard. And so we had decided at that time to uh, uh, started speaking with Steve Nicholson and, and Happy Layman. Uh, we were in Illinois and a part of the, that region in the U.S. And... Um, and they were incredibly gracious and, and very helpful. And, and you know, we, we had no, we'd not been in a vineyard church or anything like that. And, um, but they were uh, very helpful in, in, in coaching and sort of taking us. But they were a little surprised because of where we wanted to plant. They, they, at that time, vineyards were primarily planting in middle or upper middle class neighborhoods in the United States. There were very few that were planting in demographics that we were looking at. And Aurora in Illinois is one, has been known as one of the most violent cities at that time. And, um, and so uh, several messages were coming back to us of, well, we don't really plant vineyards in those types of areas. And, uh, and even Steve admits now that he wasn't even sure that we'd last two years. Uh, yeah, and Happy was for sure knowing we wouldn't last two years. <laughs> Just because he's like, it's going to be hard and you'll have to be bivocational. And the reality is, is I've been bivocational from the very beginning. And even now, you know, with itinerant speaking, it's, it's still, you know, uh, supplements, you know, for, the, for planting where we did. But we were committed to that, you know. And there were several people that were trying to get us to come to more affluent areas. They're like, you know, with your preaching ability and with yeah. your gifting, you would do great here, great there. But I just kept the passage just where, you know, Paul and Barnabas come back, and the disciples are looking at them, and they're just saying, remember the poor. It, it, I couldn't, it, it, was, it was a scripture that almost haunted me, you know. And then, too, where Paul says, you know, the love of Christ compels me. It drives me, you know, to go places that I would never go or even be with people I don't even like, you know. He doesn't say that, but it's sort of that's insinuated yeah, is, is in the that passage. 